Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this, another episode of the Creating Structure podcast. I'm really pleased to have my guest, Cindy Sim with Diamond Fusion, Vice President of Marketing and Business Development. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. It's great. Great having you on. Before we go on, yes, we have to uh, have a word from our sponsor. Looking forward to this in-person show in Atlanta in September, the uh, Glass Build Show. Take it away, sponsor. Glass Build America is back. Goodbye, virtual shows. Hello, real products, real people, and real business opportunities. The industry is reuniting at the largest glass, glazing, window, and door event in the Western Hemisphere for the buying and business building that only an in-person trade show can deliver. The leading commercial glazing contractors, glass fabricators, and residential fenestration manufacturers and installers are heading to Atlanta September 13th through the 15th for Glass Build America the Glass Window and Door Expo. Strengthen your supply chain and get the tools, products, and resources to future-proof your business. Your competition will be at GlassBuild. Will you? For more information and to register, visit GlassBuild.com. All right, there we go. GlassBuild Atlantis. See you there. Cindy, are you going to be at GlassBuild? Absolutely. It can't wait. It's going to be an amazing event. It is. It's one of the best events around. And I knew you would be there. I thought you would say, John, what kind of question is that? <laughs> so it's great to hear from you. So um, Cindy, in keeping with our our format so far, um, I'm going to want you to introduce yourself. There's a, who you are, where you're from, your background. But before that, just bear with me for a minute here. So I first met you when I was coming to Southern California. I was with my son. I can't remember if I had gone there from Ohio for a business purpose or if I had actually, he had met me in Las Vegas and I had driven from Las Vegas to LA. But either way, I was looking for other people to meet and I had a dialogue with Carlos and he said, oh yeah, we can meet, but actually you won't meet me. You're going to meet Carl and Cindy. And so you and I met at a Starbucks, was it in Orange County? It was. Yes, it was. I got on the expressway. I said, hey, my my son is going to be with me. He's trying to explore different things. He's you're like, OK, we met out there and I just had a grand time sitting under the palm trees. A breeze was blowing and I was fascinated by the discussion. I had no idea what you guys did. And between you and Carl, it was like a tag team, big time wrestling, you know? Yeah, we definitely love what we do. Without a doubt, we have a lot of passion for Diamond Fusion. <laughs> it's good stuff. So, so we met at the Starbucks there. It was a great time, and I have fond memories of it. So anyway, with, without further ado, tell us who you are, where you're from, what your background is, who you work for, all of that. Well, thanks again, John. I appreciate it. Um, my name is Cindy Sim, and as you mentioned, I work for Diamond Fusion International. I've been with DFI for almost eight years now, and um, it has been a wild ride. Prior to DFI, I actually have an undergraduate and graduate degree in criminology, 
was wanting to be a professor. I know, I know you would never expect it. It, In my whole, my family is all attorneys and, but I really wanted to go um, into teaching law. Needless to say, after spending five years at the County of Orange criminal court and within the court system, decided that that wasn't for me and ended up getting involved with sales in different capacities and marketing. And so really for about the past 20 years or so, I've been involved in sales and marketing in different capacities, uh, whether it was a civil engineering firm to public safety, to financial. Um, I've always done business development and marketing and then ended up here at DFI in really a pivotal time for the company. And it's just been great ever since. And never having been in the glass industry, wow, it's been it's been definitely a learning lesson, great people, and an awesome experience. Man, that's really some packed content. Well, I'm glad that you chose to get out of the criminology and law business. You are a born marketer. And uh, you speak so well. What are are there any differences in this industry compared to the other industries or markets you were in? You know, you talked about the glass industry uh, for a second. There is is it is it tighter? Is it more friendly? Is it less friendly? Is it unique? Is it the same? Uh, any? How do you compare it to some of the other spaces you've been in? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, first off, I would say that social media was not involved really at all in my other positions. Um, In fact, prior to DFI being in the public safety arena, um, there there was hardly any social media. And so it was really just, you know, the website, the the old style direct mail pieces, you know, really just the marketing one on one, and so it was it was much more structured by the book, the marketing basics, and with DFI and the amazing marketing team that we have here, we've been able to do so much more than I ever planned to. And really with DFI, the group that we have here right now has, they've really allowed me to not only create a platform for myself, but myself as part of DFI. And we've really taken it and and run with it. We were given the opportunity, um, as most of you know, I'm a huge advocate of LinkedIn. I am a big believer in the glass uh, industry organizations, Um, the relationships. I mean, everything in the glass industry has really allowed me to kind of develop a unique positioning for DFI. And we, we were really able to do that on our own with the various opportunities. The other industries often didn't present the opportunities where the glass industry, they, they give you so many opportunities. And then quite frankly, it is up to you to take those opportunities. So um, really you, you have to have a plan, you have to implement the plan, and then you have to review the plan um, to be successful. And knock on wood, we've been doing a great job. That's good. Are you saying that the glass industry gives more opportunities for that because of the strengths of, of 
the different associations? Yes, I would say that there's tremendous support um, in actually the professionals. So let's talk about all of our colleagues in the glass industry. They are incredibly um, supportive. And not only are the fabricators and manufacturers and all the different com companies supportive of our efforts, but then you have the different industries. Let's just talk about the NGA, for example. They offer so many programs and so many different platforms for you to not only benefit yourself personally with education, um, but to benefit the company. And then I would say, you know, DFI as a whole has been um, incredibly supportive to me to allow me to do what I do best. So as a whole, the glass industry, I have found personally to be um, an overarching support system. When I had never been in it before, people would offer me advice. I, The women in the glass industry have been absolutely amazing. Um, I get calls from women on a global level in the glass industry offering me um, not only advice, but then they call me for advice. So I have found probably more than any other industry I've been in, uh, this to be the most supportive uh, in all aspects. Wow, I got a hundred and seventy-five questions. Um, <laughs> that is so good. Are, are you a native Californian? I am born okay. and raised. Yes. Did you go to school in California? I did. I went locally, right up the street to Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. Good. Good. My first exposure to California was in nineteen seventy-nine when I went to Riverside. And we, oh. and, uh, we ran, I was part of the, uh, cross country team at the university of Akron and we ran the national championships at the famous orange Grove at, uh, wow. UCAL Riverside and a guy I was on the, on a call with earlier today, he probably will be listening to this. Um, he's like, Oh, I was a middle distance runner. I ran at the orange Grove. I ran cross country to keep in shape for middle distance. I'm like, what a small world. I can't believe it. That's so good. So you are a native Californian. You went to school just up the road. How did you move from criminal justice, criminology, court system to marketing? That's not like a small shift or anything. Well, honestly, so about um, 30 years old, give or take, I decided that the court systems, the, the working for the county, then working for the state. It just wasn't for me. So I decided to wait tables, go back to waiting tables, what put me through college in the first place. And um, I'm a people person. And so I loved waiting tables. And during my time, right, right before my 30th birthday, um, I had some folks come in from a company. Um, it was actually a recruiting company and they offered me a job. And so I left the restaurant industry, went into being a recruiter. And then within a year, another company offered me a job um, that I, I worked at for five years after that. That was in you know the financial institutions and did sales and marketing there. And it was tremendous opportunities. I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate throughout my history um, to be at the right place at the right time and to know some really great people that have helped me along the way. That's that's good. Thank you to you. You had a quote. I, 
we're going to get into diamond fusion and all, but at some point I want to talk about, I loved the quote you put up. You talked about women in the industry and I'm a big fan. She thought she could. And so she did just hold that thought for yourself and the audience. Because when I saw that, I'm like, Oh, that's classic. That's really good. I can't wait to see what she publishes. Um, so she thought she could. And so she did. I think that's what the quote was right on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Yes. It's bold and good. So tell us, um, so you, you've talked a little about how you got to this space in context. I love the transition. So your work now, tell us, first of all, what in the world is Diamond Fusion? Who are you all? What is, what is it that you guys do or manufacture? So DFI or Diamond Fusion International, we are a manufacturer and um, distributor of a protective coating that goes on silica-based surfaces. So glass, granite, tile, porcelain, and quartz. And we also have an automated coating machine. So DFI manufactures and distributes diamond fusion protective coating and our automated coating machines globally. We distribute in over 35 countries in the world. We have fabricators um, that use our machines all over the world. And I'm very proud to say that we just hit our uh, 28th Fuse Cube machine in the United States. So we're thrilled about that. Congratulations. Um, thank you very much. Um, and, and so we've been very, very fortunate. I'll talk more about that as we go on the podcast. So essentially DFI um, produces the protective coating and our coating diamond fusion can be applied in the residential, the commercial, the automotive um, industries. So the architectural or automotive industries, and then on the architectural side, whether it's residential or commercial buildings, and Diamond Fusion is very well known that it is applied on shower doors globally. However, in the past, gosh, five to 10 years, we've seen um, a massive increase with Diamond Fusion being applied to uh, commercial structures. And that could be anything from the commercial exterior glazing to storefronts, to entrance doors, uh, to interior glass. And within the last six months to a year, we've seen a huge rise in glass railings. So uh, again, mm -hmm. I think that we're starting to see um, people understand not only the glass industry, but the consumer, how important a protective coating is for their glass investments. Um, and so um, we have had the opportunity to not only apply diamond fusion on shower doors, but so many other glass surfaces in the residential or commercial markets. Yeah. What do you think the reason is for that? Is it is it broader education? Is it the work of you and your marketing department? Is it, is it a bunch of trickles in the stream? What, what is the reason for that? And while you're answering that, are you the director of all marketing and business development over all of those market segments? Or do you just specialize in the commercial glazing, residential glazing? Um, well, so I oversee on a global level, all of the marketing for every 
industry. So whether it's automotive, commercial, or residential. And I would like to say that it is the amazing marketing team we have here at DFI that has allowed us to grow and to get noticed in the industry. And then I also think it is about education. So we have made a shift to since for about now, we're looking at about 12 to 18 months, we've been focusing on uh, residential IGUs, uh, really the residential windows, the residential glass railings, um, because once you're in the home, um, and you're offering a coating on a shower door, it just makes sense to protect your glass investment to do your residential windows and your glass railings. And now we're going after the commercial market glass railings. And so we've made a concerted strategic effort. And I think what we do very well here at DFI is we have a strategic plan. We put together the sales and marketing plans to go with that company strategic plan, and then we implement it. And so I believe a lot of the efforts is a people are listening. I think companies want a differentiator. I think companies want um, a additional revenue stream. And when I say companies, I'm, I'm really speaking to our customer, which is the glass fabricator and manufacturer. So they're looking for a differentiator. They're looking for additional revenue streams and they have the product. So once you have diamond fusion at your facility, why wouldn't you apply it to glass railings, to IGUs, to storefronts? So if you are a fabricator, Think beyond shower doors. And it has been our team here that has been promoting this for years. And I think it's finally taking hold on a global level. Interesting. Uh, I got a bunch of questions about that. But first, do you utilize inside and outside sales? Do you have manufacturers reps or is it all inside? It is all inside right now. And we've been very fortunate to be able to do that ourselves. We have uh, Mm -hmm. three awesome business development reps. Um, And then we also have, and I should clarify, we also have DFI distributors on a global level. Okay. So it, yeah. So if you're looking to buy, you know, DFI in Germany or anywhere else, you know, in, in the world, we have different reps. Um, however, if you're looking, you know, in the North America market, you know, I generally help you, um, or we have Carl or Guillermo, but we have really been able to do this ourselves in a very, I, I like to, I keep saying the word strategic but it's a very single-minded approach. Focused, you're focused. Thank you. We're very focused and we are focused on selling machines to glass fabricators and we are very focused in our marketing and our sales and it's done very well by us. Thank you. You said that, so you make this glass coating, you sell this product, this machine called the Fuse Cube. Do you have other ways though if you're not selling the fuse cube are there other ways that manufacturers glass fabricators are applying this or is it only through the fuse cube so you can apply it by hand okay you can apply it with the machine so um so for years so dfi has been around 25 years so for years 
DFI was, or excuse me, diamond fusion was applied by hand. Mm-hmm. It's a spray and white method. And so, you know, we have hundreds of customers globally and a lot of them still apply by hand. However, we are seeing the industry shift to automation. Mm-hmm. So you are processing glass, cutting glass, tempering glass, you know, doing so many things by automation. Your next step for a protective coating is automation. So that is why you're seeing an increase in our machines being sold. Um, mm-hmm. And you're seeing that um, people are now going to machines to have a protective coating applied. Also, a, um, our machine can apply to both sides of the glass. So that in itself is a differentiator. We'll talk, put a bookmark there. We'll talk more about that. Okay. Some some in our audience may be saying, oh, a protective coating. You mean against sledgehammers or bullets or what what kind of protective coating and why in the world is it on silica-based surfaces? Can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So diamond fusion is, is first off, is a patented two-step process. There is a chemical reaction, or to get a little deeper, there is a chemical reaction. A covalent bond is created with the silica in the glass. So when you apply diamond fusion, it has to create that chemical reaction with the silica. So if there is no silica in a surface, diamond fusion is not going to work. So once diamond fusion creates that chemical reaction with the silica in the glass, it is creating a covalent bond and covalent bonds are 10 times stronger than a hydrogen bridge bond. So that is what allows us to um, have the claims of the, the durability. So as we all know, in the industry, glass is incredibly porous. So with all the hundreds of millions of peaks and va- uh, valleys in the glass, it's inevitable that glass will get dirty, whether it's with soap scum from showers or whether it's environmental pollutants from the rain or you know any kind of sand or snowstorm, glass is gonna get damaged. So if you use diamond fusion, you are filling in the peaks and the valleys of the glass and it's a two-step process. So step one goes on, then step two, it creates a permanent barrier between any kind of pollutant and damaging the glass. So going back to your question about the protective coating, um, if you have a sledgehammer, it's gonna break it. Uh, What we protect against from is really staining, etching, corrosion. So oftentimes you'll hear about um, our coating being referred to as maybe a hydrophobic coating or referred to as a low maintenance coating or an easy to clean coating. So as a marketer um, and also in my sales role, you know, if I'm talking to different audiences, a shower door audience, I'm going to talk about the low maintenance aspect of the shower door. If I'm talking to a commercial builder or a commercial audience, it's going to be a reduction in the maintenance cost. Um, if because you're going to use a uh, protective coating and so you can reduce your maintenance costs. So a hydrophobic protective coating will protect against environmental pollutants, making the glass easier to clean. 
Um, so if you do want to scratch it with a razor blade or a, you know, some kind of object, it's going to definitely do damage. However, in today's world, if you think about a storefront or entrance doors, and you think about all the human interaction happening every single day with that storefront, whether it's women's keys or rings or daily deliveries, you want to protect that glass from all the marring and uh, fingerprints, et cetera. And that's why you use Dine Infusion. Thank you for that. I remember when I first met you, you pulled out a small glass sample with DFI on it and it had two sides to it. And let's put some water on it. And the one side kind of disappeared on the glass. The other side, it just beat it up. And you said, that's the coated side. Uh, I wonder, Maybe it's a cost issue. Maybe maybe it's not. We talked about this a long time ago, but when I look at all of the square footage of commercially commercial buildings, glazed vertical surfaces, and all of the window wash, all of the cleaning, all of the maintenance involved, I just wonder why don't more people put on the protective coating on the outside of the glass as well? Would that not reduce the long-time maintenance cycle and replacement of glass? Absolutely, John. That's the million dollar question. <laughs> um, Oops, <but> sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. So your question is absolutely correct. Why aren't you know folks doing it? Well, it's about education. It is about working with the architects. So DFI has made a concerted effort to work with architects. We've been working directly with architects, with uh, the AIA and the GBCI to help educate the industry about diamond fusion and the benefits it brings. Um, What we have also seen is we, diamond fusion has actually been spec'd and has been applied to uh, Nike headquarters, to Target headquarters, to wow. um, the gathering place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to the old Tiffany building, to the Museum of the Future in Dubai. Um, we have seen a lot of projects. What I want to tell you is these are all iconic projects. Mm-hmm. These are all building owner occupied Um, where the building owner really wants to protect their investment, where they want to protect their glass, or it's a headquarters, or where they have to maintain not only the integrity and the aesthetic appeal of the property, but they have to make sure their tenants are happy, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So when you put those factors into the building, then you will see why people do invest in it. If it is a building that's just being built for commercial use, that may be flipped, um, more than likely they're not going to invest. Um, we were recently applied to um, some of the glass, I believe, was in the Vancouver airport. And again, it is very, it's project specific. And so we also have to continue to educate the industry Um, A couple of very well-known fabricators, we're very fortunate to have them as customers, are outliers, and they are making a major push offering diamond fusion on glass canopies as a standard feature. That's smart. Very smart. 
Very smart. I mean, if you think about it, if you are a fabricator and you are willing to make a small investment for the future and to gain market share, why wouldn't you give away the coding on the projects you want? So what this fabricator does, and it's brilliant, is they're paying for the machine with the shower doors, okay? Then they're coming out and going to market by offering Diamond Fusion as a standard feature on glass canopies. And I have another customer doing the exact same thing. They're offering as a standard feature on glass railings because they want to differentiate themselves. They're not charging for it on glass railings, but Mm -hmm. they are charging for it on their shower doors. And so Mm -hmm. they're making... They're making the money on the back end with shower doors and they're paying for the machine. So it is ideas like these that myself and our team can help you with. But what it takes is some very forward thinking companies and forward thinking people to say, I'm going to think bigger and I'm going to offer a coding and I'm going to offer something to differentiate us from the rest of the competition. I see. Yeah, that's that's good. So in in the one aspect, it's a cost of sale. It's a it's a differentiator alone. They're willing to absorb it. Maybe they improve their productivity in other ways. Um, are there really only two ways to apply it at this time, either by hand or through the fuse cube? Or do you have other licensed machines that people use? Like do they do the fabricators, the big glass fabricators that would be like on a Nike headquarters, do they apply it by hand or is it sent to another facility to use a cube? How does that happen? So that's a great question because I think it's important to note that our main goal is to drive all business to our machine customers. Okay. Is that's really the bottom line. It's the most cost effective to have all glass treated at the fabricator level and then have it installed Um, during construction. What we're seeing, and this goes back to your original question, is if the industry is not educated, glass goes in the Nike building, and then it gets damaged over, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they don't want to replace it. So then we have a team that goes out there, a DFI on-site team, and they restore and repair the glass. That is why we really push all fabricators to offer it at the design phase prior to construction. Now, because we have so many machines um, globally, uh, we really try to, if we get specced, I try to push um, the business to a machine customer. Now, if the fabricator does not have our product at the time, um, they may apply it by hand if it gets specced, or I may push them to a fabricator customer, or I've had you know some folks purchase the machine and it the project pays for it. So um, your original question was, it can really only be applied by hand on site at the project site. Yeah. It can be applied on hand in the fabricator level or mm-hmm. the best case scenario is applied by one of our machines. And it's really our machines are the Fuse Cube and the Fuse Cube Express. Um, and so those machines will apply Diamond Fusion on both sides of the glass for the same price. I see. What's the difference between the Fuse Cube and the Fuse Cube Express? 
I thought you were never going to ask that, John. Um, <laughs> so that wasn't that wasn't prompted in advance. I just like wasn't. <laughs> it sounds like the drive-through window. You know, I love that idea. That's right, right. Well, that's trust me. It's a that right self right there, John, is a brilliant idea. That's exactly what it is. It is a far more efficient machine. So the fuse cube is the original chamber vapor application system. And um, the FuseCube Express is a less than 10 minute cycle run, smaller quantities. So fortunately for us, and we are incredibly grateful, um, the FuseCube Express is doing very well. That can treat um, glass panels up to five in less than 10 minutes. So I do know the fabricator, and this is another brilliant idea, um, not by me, by a great customer of ours. They are doing a drive-through process. Bring the, you know, you want your glass treated that day. They go get it within two hours. And so it is really differentiating our customers by doing it in their production timelines in a faster and more efficient way. And it still can treat glass for a high fat, like a high volume fabricator. So did I, that's good to know. Did I miss, maybe I missed a nuance there. Is the, is the fuse cube express replacing the fuse cube or the fuse cube does one thing and the express does another? So um, the fuse cube is, is a very large machine. It can treat anywhere from 25 lights to 50 lights to 75 lights. Oh. So, um, and it takes one hour. So we're still selling fuse cubes. Um, if you are a large, large shower door manufacturer, we have some amazing shower door manufacturers that fill the fuse cube several times a day. If you're treating, you know, 75 to 100 shower doors a day, the fuse cube is perfect. However, for the customers that have a tighter turnaround time, the fuse cube express mm -hmm. is really the, the winning ticket because you can treat the glass in less than 10 minutes and it meets in the production, it meets the fabricator's production times. Okay, that makes sense. You know, as you're talking, I'm just struck by what, you know, we all learned years and years ago if we were paying attention in school. Glass is actually a super cool liquid, right? It's an amorphous, Ooh, it's an amorphous substance. Right. And my my aunt and uncle who live in Windsor, Ohio, up in Amish country, until recently they lived in a century home. It was actually a close to 125 years old, 150. And the glass was thicker at the bottom of the picture window than at the top because it gravity has made it do that over the years. And the glass had a ripple to it. I also see people scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing shower doors to say, why can't I get this white scummy surface off my door? It's because it's fused into it's chemically bonded now, right? Into the glass, which is porous. It doesn't look porous, but like stone, it is porous, correct? Correct. Well, glass, yes, glass untreated under a, micros a microscope is incredibly porous. Right, correct. under the microscope. It looks, yes. it doesn't look porous from a distance, but that's right. I'm, I'm just always fascinated as an engineer 
I have a ton of respect for companies like Eckersley and O'Callaghan. In our company too, we do some glass analysis and some structural glass, but the structural analysis and, and engineering application of glass as a, both a structural element and an air and water barrier, as opposed to the structural analysis of a homogeneous elastic material like steel or aluminum, it's mm-hmm. not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's much more involved, statistical, et cetera. Um, so one of the things that is happening with glass is it's getting more and more rigorous with different types of coatings and surface treatments. Um, there's heat strength in glass, there's tempered glass, um, and of course, regular annealed glass. There are even some companies now getting into building integrated photovoltaic films. Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea of what some of the, like, are there any issues associated with, with a protective coating with that, or is it just too early or does it, is my question too general? Does it need to be more specific um, to understand what that application needs to be? Well, we know we have a lot of testing through um, a lot of the well-known reputable sealing companies um, and adhesion companies. So we know through testing that um, diamond fusion does not affect an IG, a sealant for an IG. So for us, for example, you can put a completed IG, again, I say completed IG in the fuse cube um, and it will have, has no effect, okay, hmm. um, on the sealant. And most of the glass that goes in the fuse cube right now is tempered or laminated. Um, you know, I don't recommend, I mean, you know, even the low ease that I, that's why I keep saying completed IG. Mm-hmm. So, um, tempered and, um, laminated, and you can also put sandblasted etched glass in the fuse cube, mm-hmm. um, virtually any type of glass but if you're looking at the the newest of new coatings or films, it would have to be inside of an IG unit yeah. to work. It would have to so, be on the number two surface. It couldn't be correct. on the number four surface. That's right. And so when you put it like, so we have a couple Fuse Cube Express customers um, that are now treating a bunch of IGUs in the Fuse Cube Express. And again, it's only treating side one and four. I see. Um, so, so no issues there. No issues. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was wondering, cause sometimes uh, I know it's not typical, but sometimes they will put a low E coating on the number four surface. It's, it's a different type of coating. And I don't think you could put a film on that. Um, Okay, good. So you make the fuse cubes. Congrats on the 28th uh, one. You are distributing internationally. Do you send the fuse cube internationally too, or has that just been domestic? No, with that, that, no, thank you. We send it internationally. We have quite a few internationally. We have several companies um, in Spain that have two fuse cubes. We have them, um, you know, all over the world. We have them in Singapore. We have them in Dubai. We have hmm. them in Italy, um, in um, Vietnam, in Mexico. So we have uh, fuse cubes internationally. At this point, we only have Fuse Cube Expresses because it's relatively new um, domestically. 
And I am going to make a bet with myself that we will have um, two more sold by glass build. So I can say we have 15 fuse cube expresses (laughs) (laughs) by glass build. But um, so we do ship and send them internationally as well. That's great. I want to get back to some of the marketing pieces because we've talked a bit about glass this um, protective coating that resists all kinds of surfacants that would damage glass and even helps water to beat up better. But um, I liked what you were talking about. If you don't mind elaborating, you said 2020 was actually one of the best years because you did something specific at the end of 19, which I think is very insightful to our listeners. Do you want to talk about what it was that you did? Yes. Thank you, John. So um, what we did is, so we've had the fuse cube machine for about, let's say 10 years, a little under 10 years. And we wanted to make some changes and make some updates to that machine. And we had some ideas just internally, what we could do to make some changes Yet we thought, why not actually go out to the glass industry? We were seeing a lull um, in 2019 um, selling the fuse cubes. And why was that? What, What could we do better? And so we made a true effort. We picked up the phone. I flew all around the country. I went face to face with current customers and prospects. And we said, what can we do to the fuse cube? And by asking the industry, what do you want? Do you, what size do you want? Because size was always an issue. So, you know, industry, what size do you want? And then we have a batch system and a large batch system was, it was an issue for some folks. Okay. So what, what could we do to resolve that issue. And then the hour cycle time was an issue for some folks. So every single feature and benefit that we have in the Fuse Cube, I would take that to a prospect um, or to a current customer and say, what can we do better? So we had a list of 10 questions. We went out to the field. We said, um, if you could design a machine that would best be suited for your fabrication facility, what would you do? So then we got all this data, we came back and we made the Fuse Cube, now called the Fuse Cube Express, much smaller. So now we're at a five by a five feet by six feet footprint. We reduced the cycle time from one hour to less than 10 minutes. The current, the Fuse Cube had cartridges per run and we wanted to reduce the, the waste the recycling of the waste. So now a cartridge set can run for five cycles, okay? So we improved the efficiency, John. We improved the footprint. We improved on the cartridge system. We improved on the uh, online monitoring. So we did pretty much everything we could to give the customers what they wanted. We made it sizes uh, 60 by 100 is the max size because what I like to say is glass is getting bigger. And not only is glass getting bigger, but the second thing I heard, John, was that 
customer requests and timelines are getting tighter. We need to be quicker in our customer service. We need to get a treated piece of glass out the door within, you know, beginning of the shift to the end of the 12 hour shift. So what can we do? So we made all these changes and we decided to, at the end of 2019, to go back to the drawing board. So it took us several months and we decided, okay, here's the new FuseCube Express. We are gonna launch it in March of 2020. We did all the marketing, we had the press releases, we had all the ads, we had the banner ads with the trade publications. I mean, I even called Max to have him. <laughs> I mean, I did everything in my power yeah. to promote the new machine. And all of a sudden, you know, we're starting to hear more about COVID and we're starting to hear, you know, of the severity of the situation and a possible shutdown. And we were really having to rethink the launch yeah, and that's right at prime was, time of shutdown. Yes. And we thought, okay, all the work in the past six months, all the efforts, and we had, we already put massive social media out, wait for the announcement on March 13th, and we had did everything right up to that moment. And then we made a game day decision and decided, let's go for it. Um and let the chips fall where they may. Now, the game day decision was based on a lot of conversation, sure. but we decided let's do it anyway. And by the grace of God and the amazing support from the industry and our team, 2020 was the most successful year DFI has ever had. And I attribute to the sale and the positive response of the FuseCube Express from the industry is because we gave them what they asked for. It's as simple as that. We gave them exactly what the fabricators wanted and needed. And we also, we had some amazing customers um, that had already had a Fuse Cube that were incredibly supportive of us. And so we have been very fortunate. And I also attribute it to the residential boom, yeah. um, we saw a tremendous amount of remodeling, the shower door, you couldn't even, it was so busy last year for the residential side and the remodelers that we couldn't even, you know, get diamond fusion out the door fast enough. But then it also gave our commercial fabricators time to reevaluate what can they do when the market turns around. Sure. So we, we really handhold a lot of our customers. I mean, I take a tremendous amount of pride in being a partner with our customers. And so if you're a brand new machine customer, we meet for you know at least 90 to maybe 120 days before your machine gets installed and we set out strategic plans. How are you going to go to market? How where do you want to you know promote diamond fusion? Let's do it on glass railings, let's do it on you know, IGUs, and we help them every step uh, of the way to get the most bang for their buck. They're not just buying a coating or a machine, they're buying a true partnership and all the effort we do. And I think that really helped us separate ourselves in 2020 because they knew they could count on us to help them mm -hmm. go to market when the construction industry rebound. 
Wow. So wait a minute, wait a minute. This is pretty radical. So you not only sell your product, your your knowledge, your machine, you actually help your customers market their business and achieve more success in addition to just, that's not the end. That's just the start for you, right? You're actually helping them with strategies on how to further market their own businesses. And so they see that as a partnership, it sounds. That's pretty radical. Yes. Thank you, John. Um, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think it's pretty radical because, you know, having been in the industry, you know, short compared to a lot of people, I have found that fabricators, um, they either don't have the time to do marketing or they don't have the expertise or they just quite simply just don't know how to do it. And so I always say, let us be your marketing arm. And we have found by, by literally writing the email campaigns, by doing all their social media posts for them, by doing all of their website content and us doing the videos for them and us co-branding their marketing materials for them. Mm. And me coming out to your facility, I, you know, I don't know if you're, I used to travel so much um, to really onboard your sales reps so we, because if the fabricator is not successful, we're not successful. Mm-hmm. And really what differenti- what differentiates us from other machine customers is if I just sell you a machine, it's not going to help me. I have to sell you the chemical to go in the machine. Mm-hmm. So I want you to utilize that machine. And so I have to keep up your marketing efforts to help you sell that coding in the machine. So it only behooves me to help you, Mr. Fabricator, get more glass shop business, to get more, you know, for us to get specced more. It only behooves me to help you market Diamond Fusion. It's then a win-win situation. Yeah, that's really good. That reminds me of one of the discussions I had with a previous guest, Sean Blott from from Jordal. And Sean said... at one point he said, I thought I was selling water, but I wasn't really selling water to these retailers. And he said, when I figured out what I was selling, that just unlocked the magic. You know, the customer was buying fresh water. The retailer was selling profit on the volume of water being sold as clean water, pre-bottled water days. And I think it's very important for us all to figure out what is it that we're really selling? It's not always, and it's not usually the thing. It's the, it's the something behind or ahead of the thing. With that, uh, I just think it's extremely inspirational. I, I want to I just pause for a second. Uh, I was impacted when you described that to me that, so 2020, it was, it's, if we look back in hindsight, it was really counterintuitive to everyone that the residential market would take off. People were like, oh, things are going to shut down. And in fact, companies shut down, lumber pulled back, created all kinds of downstream effects. Um, nobody knew what was going to happen. I love the fact that you made the quote, game day decision. That's great. It's so inspirational to me that in a alleged down year, COVID year, you guys had your best year ever. Congrats. But more than that, upstream from that, 
you did what I call voice of customer, VOC, voice of customer. And it doesn't matter what we think needs to change, what we think needs to happen. What matters is the feedback from the customer. For instance, the customer for copy machines is not just the, the company making the copies, but all of the maintenance people that have the service contracts. And one time our maintenance guy was on our copier and I said, let me ask you a question. Does does Rico or does whoever, Toshiba, do they ever call you guys to come in and actually give them feedback? He goes, you know, that's a really great question. They never did. But two years ago, he said they brought in as many of us as they could, hundreds of people from around the world. And we told all the engineers everything that was screwed up about the machine, and they came out with a way better machine afterwards. They weren't listening to the voice of the customer that had the best knowledge was the maintenance and repair people that are dealing with the same crap all the time, right? So true. And you're you're dealing with a fabricator. Um, one of our early guests, Dan Adams, who's the president of Advanced Industrial Marketing, it's a it's a company and a process he pioneered in new product blueprinting. And I'll, if Dan's listening to this, I won't do it justice. I've known him a long time, but voice of the customer is a really big piece of that. He has a specific way of connecting companies, big companies and small inside to outside, polling customer, getting input from customer, and then designing and delivering to the voice of the customer. It's, it's magical. And you guys experienced that. So I just wanted to pause there for a minute. That's very impactful to me. So with that, if not to put you on the spot, so, but so I talk about the why borrowed from Simon Sinek. Um, do you have, if, if you had to give us your why, like, oh, you sell fuse cubes, but what's the why of Diamond Fusion? And what's the why that drives Cindy Sim, the human being? Well... Well, A, I love that question because <clears throat> the why for me is for Cindy Sim is relatively simple. Is you know, I love what I do. I love not only just the industry, but I I have a lot of passion and trust and faith in the machine and the product itself. So it is incredibly easy for me to sell the machine when I, I know how well it's made, when I know um, the amazing customers, the large fabricators that buy it, um, and I know how well the product is not only received by the industry, but how well the product does. And so, Bottom line for, for Cindy Sim is, is I just love what I do. And so it really just, you know, it elevates me to have various ideas to promote the machine, to promote the product, to promote the company, to promote the services. And um, why 
you know, why diamond fusion? Why, why the machine? Well, to me, that, you know, and I'm going to steal a quote actually from one of our, 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 fa- our fabricator customers. He quoted diamond fusion. It's just a no brainer. And <laughs> I love that. And That's good. Um, I love it because he, he wrote that in literally in, in a LinkedIn blog post. And to me, it was so simple yet so true. And John, you had said earlier in the conversation, why don't people put it on commercial exterior glazing? I don't have a good answer for you. I'd like to believe it's because they just don't have enough knowledge about the product. But the why is it is a phenomenal product applied seamlessly by an automated machine. Why wouldn't you? It's just a no brainer. It's as simple as that. Why wouldn't a fabricator in today's market be applying a protective coating? Whether you use my coating, our coating, Diamond Fusion or a competitor, you should absolutely be providing a protective coating. Why wouldn't you be applying a protective coating on every single glass surface that leaves your facility? And my one tip that I give constantly, and I cannot suggest this enough, is if you are sending out a quote, put Diamond Fusion as an optional line item on every single invoice, or excuse me, every single quote that leaves your facility. And I guarantee you will increase your Diamond Fusion sales. Every glass railing quote, every you know, entrance door quote, every glass canopy quote, every, obviously every shower door quote. But if you just put an optional line item, you would be foolish not to. You're only going to increase your sales. You're going to increase awareness of your offering and you're going to differentiate yourself. I'm always surprised that you have our coding in your factory or your warehouse and you're not applying it to everything. So the why is why wouldn't you apply diamond fusion? It's just a no brainer. And I do what I do because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's so good. Why? Yeah. It's just a no brainer. I was trying to think of something, you know, we protect surfaces or we, we create amazing experiences or whatever it is, but I like that. So let's shift back for a second. If we could, she thought she could. And so she did. Is that kind of a is that kind of a life principle for you, or did you have a moment of of something happening? Um, wh- why did you qu- why did you make that statement? Is there something that you wanted to communicate to the world, to other women? Um, wh- what was behind that? Um, well, thank you for asking because you are quite honestly the first person to ask, and I appreciate that because it was twofold. It was um, I'm having a very important, very monumental birthday coming up. And I also wanted to let other women on a global level know that they can accomplish anything they put their mind to. And I have set this particular year more than any other year as a year of accomplishments, a year of getting out of my comfort zone, a year of, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to 
the very best. So I am going to really make a true concerted effort this year to accomplish so many things I've put off. And so I really wanted other women to know that behind every inspiration is another woman's woman saying she could do it. And so she did. Love it. Love it. I wish you nothing but success on that drive and goal for accomplishment. What, what kind of things would you do to step out of your comfort zone? Or would it be something that as it strikes you, you're like, okay, I'm still going to push through that barrier. You said you want to step out of your comfort zone. Do you have any examples? Well, you know, what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm actually looking um, to do more uh, speaking engagements. I okay. was very fortunate to speak at GPAD. It's a glass industry event um, for several years in a row. And I am looking to do more speaking engagements and I am far more open on social media than I've ever been. Um, I was very uh, focused on only promoting DFI. And, and then I thought, well, why can't I be an example for other people, not just women, but be an example for people altogether? Why can't I, you know, promote good things. And when I say good things, you know, we are all in this together. I'm a, I'm a huge believer that we are one small world and we need to expand our capacity for empathy and more so now than ever. So hmm. expanding our um, opportunity for empathy and compassion on a global level. And why can't I do that through my platform, which I have made um, from LinkedIn and other social media. And so I'm really trying to be an example to um, just other folks that it's never too late and to you can really accomplish whatever you want, no matter what age, no matter what education, no, no matter what, um, nothing should be able to stop you. And so I've really just taken that attitude in 2021 and I've just keep going. And I love it. I love it. It's really changed my attitude. That's so good. There's a lot of positive focus there. And, you know, it's kind of a law of attraction. The more you pursue that, the more it rebounds back, you know, action, reaction. So yeah, for instance, you could be a criminology, criminal justice, pre-law person, and you could become a marketer in the glass industry. You know, I mean, anything's That's possible, right? right? That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's really good. Do you have any, um, routines or mindsets or patterns that you adhere to that bring success things like um i read i read 15 minutes a day or i have a certain breathing pattern or i exercise or i i love to grill or whatever it is like do you have anything that um you feel not feel but anything you do daily or regularly to help keep yourself grounded Yes. And I actually really incorporated most of this during the shutdown and through 2020 and, and now continuing through 2021. Um, I am a huge um, cycling person, not necessarily road cycle. I do it in a inside of a gym. So it's called cycle bar. And I do that twice a week and I just hit my 100th ride mm -hmm. and I do yoga twice a week. And every night, my favorite part of the day is saying my prayers with my son as I put him to sleep. So the exercise component and the gratitude 
and um, appreciation prayer with my son every night um, has really, really, I have the, the aspect of taking care of myself with the exercise and appreciating my family, which is the most important. And it does keep me grounded. Uh, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. That's really good. Uh, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, in, do you read at all or are you a reader? I am a reader. I do try to read as much as I can. Um, it's it's not as often as I wish when you sure. have, you know, a full-time job, a husband and a kid, you never get the time you want. But I do like to read. Fiction or nonfiction or both? Um, both. Mainly nonfiction. Yeah. Anything yeah. you're reading now that you'd like to talk about or nothing? Um, I read, you know, honestly, a lot of... Um, health books, but more about um, diet. My son has autism. So I'm mm. incredibly involved in the biomedical and functional medicine community for autism. So I read when I can a lot about diet and how it helps uh, with autism. And it's, it's fascinating. So clean eating and certain types of foods and nutrition has a positive impact on the manifestation of different autistic things. That's but, exactly correct. Yeah. Is any of that? Well, I mean, it's a long topic, but, um, I, I have ADD didn't know it till I was an adult. I mean, you know, I'm the classic, you know, right brain, left-handed. I either can go deep dive, hyper-focus for hours or start a bunch of things and not finish, you know, that it manifests in different ways. Uh, and I find hydration, protein, clean carb or fat, uh, and exercise makes a tremendous difference. Are any of those kind of things similar to some of the strategies with autism? Absolutely. I mean, I would say you hit all of them and I would just take a deeper dive into, you know, all of them. You have to sweat when you exercise, you have to sweat, you have to detox your body. And then when you eat better, you have to eat clean, obviously organic. If you can, um, I would focus on the, the fiber component, the protein component and the fruit component. And then, you know, there's also, um, supplements. You know, I'm a big believer in supplementing with the diet where you're not getting it, getting enough vitamin D from exercise is critically important. And then there's sure. the whole brain and gut connection. Yeah, for sure. Is, I mean, that to me is fascinating. It's unbelievably fascinating and how you can heal the gut and then you can heal the brain. You know, every day um, pe people think, oh, I can't do that. Um, I love, uh, it's called the mothership, the Bragg's unfiltered unpasteurized apple cider vinegar oh yes you take put a shot a, of that i put a couple tablespoons in the mm -hmm. bottom of a glass about an inch of orange juice and then hot or warm water i drink that uh it has a big impact on gut health and that's right of course vitamin d and all my wife's a big fan of um uh, what do you call the things you take for gut health Probiotics. Yeah. Probiotics. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a form of probiotic, but yeah, that's a fascinating topic. We could talk a long time about that, but I know we don't have time to crack into hour two here. <laughs> that's right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we close um, today? 
No, I mean, thank you so much, John, for A, for the opportunity, B, for reaching out. And, you know, thank you for your support throughout the years. Um, it's been a tremendous time. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I know I could talk to you for a long time. Um, so uh, you are on LinkedIn, fairly prolific there. And I appreciate what you've done there. Um are you guys on Twitter? Is Diamond Fusion on Twitter, DFI? We are not. We okay. we really just focus on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and Facebook for the consumer. Facebook for the consumer. And by the way, just for everybody to know, if you don't believe me, believe Gary Vaynerchuk, believe all the other social media icons, LinkedIn is the most underrated social media platform in terms of content and attention and uh, dollars per attention. Of course, it won't be as people figure it out. And let's continue. I, one thing I like about LinkedIn is I think we call the herd the best. I, I think people don't put up with the nonsense when people try to turn it into Instagram or Facebook. The community kind of kind of pulls pulls people out like, you can't do that, dude. You know, That's right. stop it. It's yeah. not Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, um, she is Cindy Sim with Diamond Fusion International, uh, Vice President of Marketing Business Development. I'm John Wheaton, host of the Creating Structure Podcast, President of Wheaton Sprague Building Envelope. She is going to be at Glass Build. Um, two of my colleagues, Mike Kohler and Jason Graham, will be at Glass Build as well, along with a lot of other folks. This isn't a, a, a podcast about Glass Build, but it is the largest show of its kind in North America. And it is a fun time. And I have a feeling there's going to be a bit of a collective euphoria with people getting together, masked or unmasked, face-to-face -face and not virtually in two dimensions. <laughs> so um, I'll put everything in the show notes, uh, links to your LinkedIn, your company LinkedIn, your websites and all that. And uh, keep doing what you do because you can. Cindy, thank you. And uh, we're signing off. Have a, have a great day. Thanks, John. You too.